The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. today and we're going to be here for the rest of the year and the years to come because of what you guys have done. You guys gave over $50,000 to get into this building, to get it beautiful, um, and we still have things to do, but um, th those things are just going to take time, and so we appreciate everyone who sacrificed and gave their money and their time to make this building happen, um, and so continue to give because it's going to go to um, helping foster closet. It helps abused kids um, that need supplies, that need things. It's going to help renovate the kids' classrooms upstairs. How many of you guys have little kids that want to go upstairs? <laughs> it is so cool up there, but it's going to become even cooler. So please continue to give. Um, okay, so our first announcement is super exciting. We have community groups happening this Tuesday, and I say plural because now we have a second group. <laughs> and super cool because the church is in Williamson County, so that means Donnie and Courtney are going to be hosting community group here Tuesday night, 630. Yeah. 6.30, 6.30, and then we will also have one at our house at 6.30 as well. So connect with either one of us um, to get on the group text for that. Um, second announcement is the next Sunday, the 27th, is our second anniversary service. <laughs> Can you believe that? Second year, second year here, and we already have a building. How many places do we meet in five total? Six total, counting Zoom, huh? <laughs> so six, and we've landed at our home by the second year. So please come ready to celebrate. It's going to be incredible. Um, and then on the third, we have another workday planned. You may have seen the invite go out on Facebook. Go ahead and mark yourself coming. We will get you guys more details about that and the ways that you can serve. Um, but they're coming to you, so mark it on your calendars. And then also that following Sunday is National Cinnamon Roll Day. So I know everyone keeps up with these national days, but this one is really important. So National Cinnamon Roll Day, thank you to Nicole Gonzalez. I don't even know where, there you are. Yeah, if you've never had your cinnamon rolls, please just come to church just for that, please. <laughs> so Nicole, thank you for doing that. That's Sunday, uh, October 4th. So I'm going to pass it off to, oh, I'm sorry, nursery is open now. So if you have kids four and under, feel free to take them around the corner to the nursery room. I'm going to go ahead and pray for those kids, um, and then we can pass the mic off to Andy. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the kids that are in this building, uh, even the ones that are older than four. God, I pray that you'd bless and speak to every child here today, God, and uh, we just ask for your peace. Amen. All right, as you guys can see all the props coming up here, uh, Courtney is about to bring a great word. So what I want you to do is prepare your hearts. We're going to pray over this word, and I want you to prepare your hearts because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit would come and that he would lead us into truth, right? And we know that the truth comes through God's word and through his person. And so we want this not just to be something that we watch and see, but we want this to be something that God puts in our heart and helps our lives to change, that we actually begin to bear new fruit and to do that. So, Father, we just pray right now. 
for this word. Lord, we pray as Courtney comes up, God, that she, she will, uh, Father, just flow, Lord, in the gift that you've given her, Lord, and the word you have for her to share. Lord, help us, Lord, in our, not just our minds and our eyes to be attentive, but Lord, get into our hearts, God. Let the word plant deep in our hearts and bring about change. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi. Good morning. Ooh. All right. Check, check. Is that better? Yay. No more whale sounds? Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, I am going to actually kind of speed through these because um, Andy asked me for a certain amount of time, and I've not yet been able to get this anywhere close to that. So <laughs> you're going to have to pardon my um, speed talking. All right, let me see if I can get these up and going. Is it up? Hey, there we are, except I got to go back. There we go. Cool. Awesome. Okay, so last week, Andy asked me if I would share um, this week, and he said, here's kind of the thing, the theme that we've been working on in the church, and here's kind of what I'm thinking that I'd like to have you speak on. What are your thoughts on that? And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and Sex, like, you are not even going to believe this. This is literally the exact thing that God has been working on in my heart over the last few months, challenging me, changing me, growing me in this area. And I was actually getting ready to make it into either a video or a blog or something because what God has been doing inside me, I have to get out. And he's like, hey, isn't that great how God works all that out? So here I am getting to share that with you today. So we are going to be talking about being dedicated to the source. You know, we've kind of been on this dedication theme ever since we got into the building. We had two families dedicate their babies. We dedicated the building itself to God's service. And Andy's been talking about dedication. He did that last week when we talked about sin. So we're going to continue on that dedication to the source. So the source in this message is God and his word. And then dedication is devotion of yourself, your time, and your effort to a particular task or purpose. So everybody, whether you want to be or not, is dedicated to something. You guys all right now are dedicated to something. And dedication always produces something inside of us. So we're going to take a look here at two guys in the book of Acts named Peter and John, and they were uh, going around talking about Jesus. Now, thousands of people were coming to make a decision to follow Christ because of what Peter and John were doing, and they even had people getting miraculously healed. The religious leaders of that time were not happy with that because they didn't know Jesus. It was so far outside of what they knew and were comfortable with. So they bring Peter and John in, actually arrested them, and they're going to trial, and they're getting questioned. And we're going to start with Peter's response to these religious leaders during his trial. This is Acts 4. We're starting at verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, that is very important, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, 
this man stands before you here in good health. He, talking about Jesus, is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we might be saved. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, that's me, and untrained men, they were amazed and they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. That verse hit me so hard when I read it a few months ago. I've read it probably, I don't know, several times over the years, but it hit me really hard because in that moment, not years ago, not when I was a new believer, recently, after having been on church plant teams, after having had leadership positions in different roles, it hit me that I could not remember the last time that I had actually been recognized as having been with Jesus so I don't know, have any of you guys ever felt like you're just in this self-induced funk? Anybody raise your hand? Like, I'm just, I don't know, I just feel, like I just don't feel good. Like nothing's going bad in my life, but I just, I just don't feel good, right? I was in that place, and I call it self-induced funk because it was really brought on by my own decisions to draw less and less from the source to fill my cup. Um, I began to fill my time budget with really menial things. So I love things like uh, games, right? I mean, that candy's not going to crush itself, right? <laughs> Somebody's got to do it, and I am that somebody. All right, how about uh, social media? Yeah, we love that. All right, I got uh, a very short uh, phase into fitness. I mean, it was short short-lived I was like fitness and then I'm like nope right uh, I got really into the self-care movement for a while you know and I'm gonna step on some toes here with this but if we can just really admit that the self-care movement is like a really really great excuse for not having to do things you don't want to do it just is so I'm like oh you need help tonight? I'm sorry, it's bubble bath night. <laughs> I can't come over. <laughs> Hashtag healthy boundaries, right? Yeah. All right. But my biggest vice, you guys, is TV. <sighs> guys, I love television. I love it. Has anybody here ever seen 30 Rock, the show 30 Rock with yeah, Tina Fey? Okay, so you know. So I love television the way Kevin loves television. I mean, most of the time, if you start a sentence with, hey, have you seen? The answer is yes. Hey, have you seen? Yes. Yes, I've seen it. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. But it takes up such an incredible time in my time budget, and you don't realize how much you are dedicating yourself to something until you start to see the effects. Now, you could say that these things, even though some of the TV shows that I allowed in probably were a little bit toxic and putting things into my mind that shouldn't have been there. But overall, none of those things on their list are bad in and of themselves, right? Those are even good, normal human things to have. They're not necessarily like overtly sinful or whatever. But like I said before, our dedication 
always produces something inside of us. So what was getting produced inside of me? Uh, Non-contentment, um, just feeling grumpy and moody all the time, depression, anxiety, hot-tempered, uh, jealous. What wasn't getting produced inside of me was anything that could lead someone to recognize me as having been with Jesus. trying to get these going here. All right. All right. So if that, uh, that would be okay, actually, if it were true that it was all about us, right? Because what's the point of changing and growing if we're really the only ones affected? So you could say, well, I don't, like, thank you, Jesus, for the the salvation part and the saving me from all that stuff part. But as far as all the other stuff, I'm just going to go ahead and leave that because it only affects me anyway. So what does it really matter? So it's kind of like, you know, the people who are advocates against seatbelt laws are like, well, it only affects me anyway. So, you know, why should I have to be bothered by it? But the problem is that we as Christians, we're not islands unto ourselves. And as much as we would really like that sometimes, especially for those of us that are a lot more introverted like me, uh, but God did not just save us from something, but he saved us for something. And that's up there. Okay, good. So let's take a look at some of the things that he saved us from. He saved us from hell. And that's not a popular word today, but, you know, it's real and it's true. And he saved us from it. Thank you, Jesus. He saved us from sin. He saved us from separation from him, not just for eternity, but here today on this earth as well. And he saved us from blindness. Like Andy was talking about, he was blind to what he was before. And like the song Amazing Grace talks about, and now he can see. Those are the things that God saved us from. They didn't cost us anything. We can't earn our way into any of that stuff. Free gift, done, it is finished, period. Nothing else beyond that. But he also saved us for something. He saved us for power. He saved us for relationships with himself and with other people. He saved us to be his hands and his feet. God doesn't need us to go out and do his work and his will. He doesn't need it because he's God. So he can do whatever he wants. He can make things magically appear. He can do all of that stuff. But he chooses to use us, his people, to do his work in other people's lives and to be his hands and his feet. And he saved us to be able to be fishers of men, to take all of the things that he saved us from and now get to go share those with other people who can be saved from those things too because we're going out and doing the work. So Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. It is not you who is at work in you. And that is something that's really difficult for us to grasp. It is God who is at work in you, both to will, so Jesus comes in and changes us, and then to work, then we go out and do the things. Why can we do the things? Because God is at work in us for his good pleasure. Then again, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that you can brag, 
but we are his workmanship. Another word for that is we are his project created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So we do the good works because we're his project, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. So the something that we're saved for happens as a product of our dedication to the source, not as a result on a lot of effort on our part. That's why this is not one of those messages that is meant to like beat you down and make you feel bad for not doing enough, for not changing enough, for not growing enough. I hate those. In fact, when I hear that stuff, I usually end up bucking because I'm like, I can't live up to that. And the standard is just, it's too much. It's too high. This is actually the opposite of that thing. Jesus says, come to me if you're tired and you're weary because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we Americans, we love easy, right? We love easy. Jesus says, hey, my yoke is easy. So if you don't know what a yoke is, back then, and actually I think in a lot of places still today, a yoke was a harness that they would put on two animals that were working together side by side. A couple of things that would help with it was what would help the animals pull in the same direction, but it would also distribute the weight so that the load was um, distributed evenly between the two animals so they weren't one wasn't pulling more than the other. So Jesus said, when you're yoked together with me, all the weight gets distributed to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light because I'm going to do the heavy lifting in your life. That is what it means to be yoked together with Jesus. So if we try on our own strength to do and to be everything that God has called us to be, we're going to get burnt out. We're going to get depressed. And we're going to get frustrated because we were not made to change ourselves. God is the one that comes in and changes our lives for us. It is his job to empower and to change us, not our job. So what is our job? Our job is to prioritize being connected to the source into our time budget. That's it. That is an easy yoke and a light burden. And then he says he's going to do the work within us. All right, so... What does that look like? That seems so abstract of a concept. What does that look like on a practical level played out in someone else's life? So I'm going to give you an example of what that looks like. Um, some of you might not know this about me because, you know, I don't have a problem with public speaking and stuff, but I actually have, like, crippling social anxiety. Like, it's bad. So a lot of there's some fear in there. This is tomato juice, by the way. Mmm. We love our tomato juice, and it's from the Dollar Tree, so you know it's safe for human consumption, right? So some fear. We'll put a little pride in there. Some pride in there. Mmm, prune juice. That's going to be our pride. Yum. And we've got some delicious apple cider vinegar. Mmm. So tasty, right? Just so good. And that's going to be... Childhood trauma from being so awkward and trying at social situations and it not going very well at all. So here's my cup full of social anxiety. It's awesome, right? Well, when you go to help your friends start a church, guess what? 90% of the work of building a church is social. Did you know that? Yeah, at least. Probably more, right? Would you say more? Okay. It's social stuff. And... I don't really have a lot of good stuff to give to people 
here with all of this going on. But ministry is not this, what I'm doing up here. Ministry is not all the sexy stuff and all the fun work. It's being in relationship with people and Jesus changing lives through relationships, which I didn't have a lot to offer there. But the one thing that I did have was the ability to just go to the word and get what I need from the source. So I go to my word and I'm in there reading, reading one of the scriptures that, you know, you read a hundred times over. And it says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So the source, word of God, tells me, hey, don't look out for yourself, look out for the interests of others. And in that process, the Holy Spirit says, psst, come here, I want to tell you a secret. I'm like, what? He says, guess what? All your social interactions are not actually about you. They're about other people. So instead of being afraid of what other people are thinking of you when you're talking to them, try thinking about what I think of that person when you're talking with them. And approach it like maybe I've given you something that they need, and that's what that's really all about, not actually about yourself. And just like that, I have something that I can give to somebody else in that time because it came from the source. It's like, oh, hey, new person who doesn't know anybody, who's probably lonely, who needs to get connected. Oh, why don't you come check out our community group? It's on Tuesday nights. Bring your kids. They're going to love it. They're going to have a great time. And that is the real work of the church. And it happens because of being connected to the source, not because of anything that I have to give on my own. All right, so this is also how God manages sin in our lives. We try so hard to clean ourselves up, and we just can't do it. We really can't do it. So Andy talked about sin last week. In our new kind of postmodern Christian culture, it's a really, really unpopular topic. We don't want to talk about sin because we want to have all the good, happy stuff, all the lovey stuff, all the feeling parts of God. But you guys, sin management is actually part of the love of God because sin is stinky and it comes with natural consequences and things and destruction that God in his absolute love for us does not want to see us suffer through. So I'm going to start reading this scripture here. All right, so this is in Galatians. It is a big chunk of scripture, so we're going to try and get through all of it. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. So what that means there is that you weren't called to be bound to the law, where you have to make sure that you're following everything right and crossing all your T's and dotting all your I's to earn God's love. No, he ended that on the cross. That's done. That's over. That's freedom. You don't live under that anymore. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So if you're not really familiar with uh, scripture speak, flesh is a word that's used for all the really icky parts of human nature. So pride and selfishness and sin and gross stuff. Do not use your freedom for an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. 
And then we're going to skip to verse 16. This is where his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets itself against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for they are in opposition to one another, that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immoral, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, dispute, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I for, have forewarned you, that those who practice such things, oops, sorry, I wasn't even on that slide, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there's no law ever against any of those things ever. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful or bragging, challenging one another or envy one another. So the Bible uses fruit a lot as an identifier of something. Uh, if you don't know anything about plants, like me, guys, literally, I can kill just about anything that grows. It's one of my gifts. You can still look at peaches growing on a peach tree, and you can know that, hey, that's a peach tree, right? I mean, this is like preschool-level horticulture, right? So if you see apples growing on a tree, you can recognize it as what? An apple tree. Wow, you guys are really smart. I love it. So just in that same way, if you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control growing on a person, you can recognize them as having been with Jesus. So I've been putting this to the test a little bit in my own life, and uh, one of the areas I've been doing that with is anger. So there is an angry side of me that happens behind closed doors, and I didn't talk about it a lot, but my kids and my husband could definitely see it. And I can tell you that it was not a representation of Jesus at work in me every time I would blow up and get angry at them. So uh, one day, one of these little outbursts, which I call volcanic Courtney, happened when the kids had a friend over, actually. And I was really embarrassed, and like, my kids were really embarrassed. And that's when I realized that I was not going to kick this thing on my own. And I've tried, you guys, over the years. Oh, I have tried so hard. I've like, I have resolved to get rid of my anger. Going to try as, with all my might. And sometimes, you know, I let a little bit of it out. Yeah, it's true. Okay, pat myself on the back. I'm starting to get rid of my anger. But then something would trigger it, some kind of little annoyance or getting stuck behind someone riding a bike on the road. You know, my, anyone who's been in a car with me when I'm driving and that happens knows like they've seen it. And then, boom, volcanic Courtney just erupts and spills all over 
the people that I love and care about the most. And I'm like, man, I cannot, I cannot get rid of this thing. I just can't do it on my own. But the one thing I do know how to do is go to the source. That's all I have because I am not showing Christ at work in my life to my kids and the people that I need to be showing Christ at work in my life to. So I did the one thing that I know how to do, and I ran to the word, and I just ran to Jesus. I'd put worship music on and just spend time in God's presence. Like, God, I, I, don't, I don't know anything else to do. And unlike with social anxiety, you know, when he helped me with that, there was not like one clear aha moment where something made me realize and suddenly I was cured or helped or whatever. But slowly, over time, I just noticed that I'm just less angry. I don't know why. I just am. And the things that would trigger me and really set me off before, suddenly, things weren't bothering me as much. Nothing can explain that except for the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Nothing else can explain that. There wasn't a therapist. There wasn't a book. There wasn't a big revelation. Just the Holy Spirit at work in my life. And I can tell you, you know, parents whose kids are, um, you're grown, you know, you're raising your kids in the church and they're growing up watching you. We were just having this conversation with some other adults the other day. But if you want your children to follow Jesus, that isn't something that a church or the youth pastor or anything is going to do in their life. They are watching your life to see if the color changes in your own life. Because you are going to prove who God is to them and what God can do by them watching the Holy Spirit at work in your life. All right, I'm going to close out with this. Let's see if I can find it here. From the words of Jesus. This is out of John 15, 1 through 11. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, which is a little painful sometimes, so that it bears even more fruit. You are already clean because of the words which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he throws away, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And this part I love so much. These things I have spoken to you. Why? So that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. 
So when God is our source and when we are dedicated to that source and let him run over in our lives, he will replace uh, depression for joy. He will replace anxiety for joy. He will replace complaining for joy. He can replace anger for joy. And I am so excited to just be a part of what he is doing in my life and watching the joy that he is giving to me in replace of the things that were yucky in there before. All right, that's all I have for you. I'm going to turn it back over to Andy. Thank you, guys. Hey, man, that's a great word. We're going to take some action on that word, and we're going to have a little bit of prayer time uh, as we get ready to, dis to dismiss here in just a second. God wants to work in our hearts. Oh, he did put it up. Okay, so I'll just tell you why this picture's up, because I actually had this picture for a reason. I was going to wait just because of time, but I'll just tell you why. This happened yesterday. Who's taller? Who said Jackson? Wrong. Father, open their eyes, Lord, to the glory of God. Um, so I was walking through my hallway last night out of the kitchen towards the front door, and I walked by Jackson. Jackson, stand up. I walk by my son, and as I walk by, he does this. And I'm like watching him. I'm just walking. I, like, I don't even, I'm just walking, and he just keeps doing it. And I finally look at him, and I can tell he's like st eye-stalking me. Like he's trying to like size me up. And I'm like, what's the deal? And he goes, I'm taller. <laughs> I'm taller. I say, you are not taller. So, of course, then the official camera person comes out, the one that used to love me, my wife. And she takes the picture right as he tiptoes. So we actually took the picture several times, and it turns out he is, yesterday was taller than me. Today, this is the first time I've ever worn these shoes, which you can see have a small amount of lift. And he came to church this morning because he was staying at the Browns' house, and he walks in, and he looks at me. And he looks up there and he says, you have new shoes. <laughs> I said, I do. You're bigger, but I'm still smarter. So my shoes will get taller and taller for the next several years. You guys will see that happen. But the reason actually I brought this slide up, I'll just say is, you know, going off of Courtney's word is that, you know, you can outgrow your physical dad, right? But you don't outgrow God. And sometimes when we're believers, and we've been following Jesus. We get this idea that, man, I, I don't need more from God because I already have enough. Like, God's already taught me to love. He's already taught me to forgive. He's already taught me to do this. He's already taught me to, like, I know all the information. The Bible doesn't say that God teaches love or that God teaches truth or that God shares and, and mentors us in those things. It actually says that he is, that he is truth, that he is life, that he is these things. And so, in other words, it's not that he just teaches and implements them. It's what his actual substance is. And so it's actually, he actually actually creates those things out of himself. Like when we learn everything we can about love, God actually has more because he is love. It actually, love comes out of who he is. It's not something he does. And so we never outgrow God. We never outgrow the source. We always need to go back. It's a constant. No matter, I have to go back all the time. I was on a prayer walk this morning before church. Why? Not because I need to earn God's love. It's because I need to know more about it. Lord, teach me. Show me. Help me grow. And we all need to be in that same place so that we continue to move forward and to grow in who God is. Which, guess what? That puts us all on the same level. 
I'm a pastor, I'm up here, but you know, we're all on the same exact level. I have to grow, I have to know God more, I have to change. I have to become more like him, just like you do, just like I do. It's all the same. We might be learning different lessons, growing in different ways, but we're all growing, amen? So that's a great word. Thank you, Courtney. It's a wonderful and beautiful word and great examples. Amazing. Uh, but what I want to do is just take some time to pray. Um, so I'm going to dismiss, and as we do, I'm going to just uh, invite anyone that really, I know we all need this word, but if it's really hitting and you're like, man, I just need to come up and just talk with somebody and pray, then I want to make that available. Okay, so I'm going to just do one prayer for the group, and then you can come up as we, as people are exiting. If you want some one-on-one prayer, I'll have Carrie come up to pray with people. Uh, Courtney, since this is your word, if you want to come up to pray with people. Uh, Jesse, come up and be available. And Pastor Art, could you do that? Come up and people want to pray. Uh, just wait a few minutes. So we're not going to stay up here all day. If you want prayer, come up. If you don't, then these guys will head out. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I know people are sometimes struggling under condemnation that they don't measure up, they're not good enough, they haven't changed enough, or their family's not good enough, their marriage isn't good enough, their kids aren't good enough, their, their thoughts aren't good enough. They're, Lord, all these things, but God, your word says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, we're just asking for your help to grow and to be more like you because we love you and we want to be more like you. So Lord, we help us to do that. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.